I just think when I look at Mary and Joseph and the Christ child, I just think it says so much to us about how beautiful this life is that God has given us. Welcome to Straight Talk on Life Issues, the podcast. I'm Victor Nieves, as always, joined by President of Life Issues Institute, Brad Mattis. And today we have a special program about opening your heart to Christmas, an opportunity to reflect on the pro-life message and talk about, you know, some things including the spiritual significance and the natural tie between Christmas and the pro-life message. And anybody who knows me knows that I love Christmas. Uh, We have a testimony to that when you come into the house or see it decorated on the outside. It is such a joyful time of the year to celebrate. And yes, the link between pro-life and Christmas is very uh, unique. Some people won't have thought about it until they hear our discussions and the guest speaking. But uh, I'm looking very much in favor to uh, getting this program underway and hearing what they have to say. Well, that's right, Brad. And just overall, the Christmas season is such a wonderful time. You said you love Christmas. I love Christmas. And I think part of that's because for just a minute, it seems like everybody has the opportunity to, to step back and intentionally really make sure that they're empathetic and that they express, you know, love and and goodwill to their friends and family. Maybe that's just because of the the songs, but I have a feeling it's a lot more than that. And joining us today to have this conversation are two wonderful guests. First of all, we have with us Jim Beringer of Fort Worth, Texas. He retired from pastoral ministry after 44 years. He served congregations in the Midwest, in California and Japan. A decade of his ministry was spent helping congregations serve people who might have disabilities or different challenges ranging from addiction to military service. He also had a special focus on spiritual support for pregnancy resource centers, and he's currently the chairman of the Board of Christian Life Resources. We also have joining us Dr. Anthreka Lane, a board-certified obstetrician, gynecologist, and entrepreneur from Cincinnati, Ohio. She's the owner of Lane Women's Health On Demand LLC, an online women's health resource company, as well as Lane Media. Lane Photography. She served as the Ohio State Director of the Christian Medical and Dental Association and as a member of the Elkhart County Board of Health. Dr. Lane is currently on the Board of Directors of the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists. She also serves as the head of its Medical Professionals of Color subsection. We're very excited to have both of you. Thank you for joining us on today's show. Well, thank you for having us. This is a wonderful opportunity. Yeah, I really appreciate you inviting me. Uh, Jim, tell us about the Christmas story. Well, you know, when people look at that nativity scene, that there's so much sentimentality around it that people don't realize how close to life today the situations of the three people in that nativity scene are. I mean, you think of Mary and how for nine months she probably was very much cautious about what people were thinking and saying about her very shamed by some people's comments, not personally in her maybe, but around her, the idea that you're happy, why are you carrying this baby? Uh, so very much a, a hard thing for her. And I think any any young woman who finds herself pregnant and, is, and worries about those things, instead of just looking at the picture and thinking, oh, all is calm, all is uh, quiet, read what Mary says in that song of praise in Luke chapter one, because um, she draws a lot of comfort from knowing what's really going on here and that the Lord 
is using this and he's with her. I just think that you draw in, you see that. Same thing with Joseph. I mean, the Bible actually mentions how Joseph struggled. It would be easy as it is for a lot of men to simply wash your hands and walk away. He had reasons to put her away quietly, uh, the, the Gospels tell us. But I think when a when a man finds himself in this uncertain situation and experiences a lot of fear and uh, even like maybe selfishness or whatever, to stop and give love a moment. And that's what, certainly for Joseph, it was love of the Lord, love of Mary. And uh, undoubtedly for, for all of us, uh, eventually also the, the love of that child, uh, what's best for the child. So these are really close to real life today uh, in the experience of Mary and Joseph. And then Jesus, although we don't really think about this much, he was really in danger. And of course, we know the story about Herod that comes up a little bit later. But I often think of, in the book of Revelation, there's a, a picture where, in chapter 12, a woman gives birth, and immediately a dragon tries to take the child and kill it. And uh, that picture, I, I think, is Mary and Jesus being used as a symbol of how uh, Satan is angry and wants to harm uh, God's people. Right? The woman is taken away, the child goes up to heaven. But but to think how Jesus' life was also greatly in danger, and he could have been killed except that the Lord protected him. So all three people had a very real and serious situation that they were wrestling with. And it helps us, I think, to stop and think about that and realize uh, the goodness of the Lord in, in providing for those people and how that comforted them. It wasn't just that it worked out, but during the actual process, they had what they were told to hold on to. Yes. Not every expectant father out of wedlock has an angel coming to him in his dreams. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> there was an example scripture shows us of an exchange that Mary had with Elizabeth. Can you tell us about that? So Elizabeth is the relative of Mary's, and uh, Elizabeth is also the mother of John the Baptist. And when Mary, who's from Nazareth, comes to visit Elizabeth, probably to get out of town for a while, she has this wonderful experience that as she approaches Elizabeth, Elizabeth already perceives what's going on. And in that moment, Elizabeth feels John the Baptist, her baby, move, and she realizes that this is uh, something very unusual. She calls Mary the mother of my Lord. So, I mean, the whole thing is inspired by the Holy Spirit, but John, who's in the womb, is also very much in tune with what's going on spiritually. And that's, uh, I think, for for parents uh, who are thinking about their babies before the babies are born, that's something to reflect on, how uh, we have that picture of John. Yeah, one of the first humans to understand this great story that has begun was actually an unborn baby. Yeah. Jim, what does the sanctity of human life mean in the perspective of Scripture and spiritual issues? Well, you have to see that beyond life, there's a bigger thing going on. First of all, life is a gift, and not just in general, theoretically, but your life at this time in this place is a gift. In the book of Acts, it talks about how the Lord put us where he wanted us to be in time. But he gave us life, and he created us in a very special way, different from the rest of creation. And in that uh, gift, he's also given us certain promises, and he has a certain goal of us being with him eternally, too, beyond uh, what we serve in this world. The word holy, uh, which is behind the idea that life is sacred, the word holy has this idea of being separate, set apart. 
And God has set us apart in his mind and his plan uh, for a purpose, which doesn't always feel great. Jesus said we have to take up our cross and follow him. And he he died on the cross. So it's not that uh, everything's going to be prosperous and, and happy all the time. But we have this deeper sense that what's going on here is being used by by our Heavenly Father for something greater. Jim, is there a point in time in the world when babies were first being killed? Well, it goes back. You can find lots of stories in the Old Testament. And I think it's not by accident that most of the stories in the Old Testament have to do with people who do not believe in the Lord. And I'm not saying that as a criticism of people's motives, but rather they were being asked to kill their children and sacrifice to a higher goal. And that seems so strange to me that to kill a child and to present that as a great thing, that, that's what some of the ancient religions were about. They had sexual immorality and they had murder at the core of their activities. And so this goes way back. Children were a, a tool rather than something special that was a gift. Yeah. And very much now we're seeing people say, kill your child for a better life. Yeah, right. Yeah. You yourself can have a simpler life, a better life without that child. Dr. Lane, uh, thank you for being patient. Now, when the angel said to Mary, you are with child, did the conception already take place? When does life begin? I do believe conception had already taken place at that time. And life begins in the humanistic perspective when the egg and the sperm join together. And so, of course, we know this is, a, with Mary, it was a process of the Holy Spirit. But I do believe when the Bible says that Mary was with child, she had already conceived at that point. Well, we hear it often and repeated so often, and it's such an ignorant statement that there is no consensus as to when human life begins. Give us your perspective as a physician in this field. Yeah, I do believe conception is the beginning of of human life. We really have two cells, the sperm and the egg that are full of life, come together creating life. And from the very, very beginning, it is a very complex process that results in a living human being. I think from the very, very beginning that that sperm and egg join together, it is my medical opinion that that is life. Yeah. Would you equate those who say we don't know when life begins with those who don't know what a mother is? That's an interesting concept. I think uh, one way that I combat that thought is I always say that parenting begins in the womb and the decisions that you make as a parent, the choices that you make, it starts in the womb. So some people may not view motherhood until the baby is born, but I think when people really define, really think about what being a mom is about, it starts from the moment that you have conceived and every single decision, every single choice that you make from then on, those are choices of a mother. If Planned Parenthood had been around when Mary was pregnant, what would have happened if she had chosen abortion? Wow, that would have been a very sad moment in our history. I do agree that she would have been a 
perfect candidate for Planned Parenthood in terms of choosing someone who's vulnerable, who's in a position to where she's going to experience a great deal of shame. She needed to share news with with Joseph, who could have just put her away. It was just a difficult, difficult situation. And I, what I think about not only what would have happened to Jesus, but what would have happened to the world and the significance of the life of Jesus. We don't always know what our children, what blessings that they're going to bring to this world. We don't know if they're going to be the one who cures cancer, the one who's going to lead this country, the one who's going to write a book that's going to change thinking for generations to come. We just don't know who we are being blessed with in our womb. And in this case, we know that Jesus is probably the most influential individual that's ever walked this earth. And I would have to say not only what would happen to Jesus, but what would happen to us and the new covenant that Jesus brought for all of us that brought mercy and grace and love, compassion. It just, he changed the world. So I think our lives would have been changed forever if Planned Parenthood uh, had been available at that time. Yes, and uh, foremost among them, eternal life would have been uh, cut short. Yes. Um, of course, God would have made another plan, but that is what was at stake. And Mary is an example of any woman who's facing fear and an unexpected pregnancy. As you both have said, boy, she had it in spades. And uh, for her to rise above it, to trust, put faith in the message from the angel, that says so much about she and Joseph. What do you think, if Mary had had an abortion, how would have that impacted her life personally, psychologically? Yeah, I think that in the moment, she might have thought that she was escaping a very difficult situation. But just as an abortion, it creates a, a vacancy in the womb. It also creates a vacancy in your heart. And that vacancy becomes a wound that can just grow over time. She would have had a moment to really reflect on, you know, why did I do that? And she would have been thinking about how sad she feels that she actually terminated the life of what was going to be her child. These are decisions that are permanent decisions, often because of temporary circumstances. So I think she would think about that for many, many, many years to come, the decision that she made, and it would just create such a sense of sadness doesn't even explain it, almost an emotional trauma for that decision. And you would just hope that someone would be in her life, if that had occurred, that someone would be in her life that would be able to show her her love and give her um, some sense that God is a forgiving God. I think that's still a very important message when someone has chosen abortion is that God is a forgiving God and God is love and you can be restored. Uh, but it's going to take some work, and it's a journey, an emotional journey, for sure. Well, let's fast forward from the moment that Mary was told she was pregnant to that scene in Bethlehem. Now, as a physician, I'm really curious to see how you would describe the scene, what it would have looked like in that barn when she gave birth to Jesus, our Savior. That is a really interesting question. 
from what I could tell, there's not a lot of details about the specifics of, of that scene. I've seen some resources talk even about the possibility of there being a midwife that may have been present at that scene. But I think that Joseph was committed to taking care of her. I would assume that he would create a nice, clean space as much as he could to provide some level of privacy and protection in that space. I would think that he would try to have some uh, water there to and some oils, some things that might even be soothing through the birthing process because it's going to be a painful process, as we know. And I'm sure they would have all types of different cloths there, not only to to clean Mary, but also to to wrap around the new baby Jesus as well. So that's kind of how I envision it for sure. I think God definitely provided for them in that time and, and in that space. And I often wonder as well if, if animals were present in that space, were they quiet during those moments or were they making noise? You know, I would think that in some way that there would be a sense of reverence that something special was about to happen. Now that you mentioned that, I could see Joseph pushing back those curious animals who come over to take a closer look. Right. <laughs> yes, an audience for the birth of our Savior in the yeah. animal kingdom. And the filth and dust and smell must have been totally opposite of what you'd want for a birth, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, of course, now we try to make it the cleanest environment, almost sterile environment that you can have, comfortable environment for some situations. So, yeah, I can only imagine that, I mean, <laughs> dust and dirt and hay and, I mean, probably all over her hair and back and, you know, probably wiping it away from everywhere. So, but in that, baby Jesus was born for sure. Yes, and I'd like to ask both of you this question, and we'll start with you, Dr. Lane. What are some of the ways that we can be intentional about having a pro-life Christmas? I think having conversations like this, I think bringing a different perspective to the nativity scene and that we all see that always comes apparent at this time of year, talking about the Mary and Joseph and the decisions that they made and using it even as a source of dialogue with young people. And talking about even in the circumstance that Jesus was born, it was not the ideal situation, but by having courage to choose life and to maintain a walk that's consistent with what God wants in our lives, great things can happen. I think it's just an opportunity to really start putting on those lenses of life and really appreciating what you were talking about before that that sanctity that sanctity of life. So uh that I think that's the start just having having dialogue uh with our children, with young people, even with adults uh in our lives to talk about the importance of and the sanctity of life. How about you, Jim? I think it's a beautiful thing to think that way, to approach it, uh, looking at a newborn child and thinking about the precious gift of life, but especially with the bigger picture behind it of what the Lord really thought and intended there, that Jesus came. I mean, Mary and Joseph had no idea that behind this was going to be this bigger plan of reaching out into the world. I mean, it, it was said at the time, but I don't think even when the disciples heard it, go into all the world, I don't think they really realized who 
people like us were going to be someday coming and finding this comfort in a Savior. Uh, so to look at that picture and to see grace, God's love, that's a bigger love than just in that moment, but it's it's for all of us today. To me, that's a very precious thing to think then, too, to carry that over and look at other children and, and think about how God is bringing life also into the world through these children. What a beautiful thing it is. I have 10 grandchildren now. This week, I babysat uh, the little uh, year and a half old. I'm lying on the floor while he's playing with his toys, and I'm playing with the toys, too. And he comes over twice and hugs me. And I'll tell you, you could oh. not give me a prize from the publisher's clearinghouse that would be more beloved to me than having uh, the love of a little boy in my life. So I just think when I look at Mary and Joseph and the Christ child, I just think it says so much to us about how beautiful this life is that God has given us. Yes. And if we had Planned Parenthood back then when Mary was pregnant, they would have been after her big time. Yeah, they have certainly been trying. Jim, you're a retired pastor now, but you're still a pastor. Once a pastor, always a pastor, right? Yeah. What would you say to someone who had an abortion? Well, and I've had that experience too. And the, that little baby in the manger came to save that mother. And the, the woman that I talked to that I'm thinking about right now, her hardest struggle was that she couldn't accept being forgiven and knowing that her baby was had still died. She was involved in that. But when we see that God gave his only son because of his love for all of us, and we all struggle with what we've done. And I think, you know, you talk about being a retired pastor. I know that when my dad was older, he thought a lot about his life and his poor choices. And I too, now that I'm in my 70s, if you read my journal of my devotions, you see that, you know, my struggle with my sinful heart, it just dominates the, the fact that I feel responsible for bad things I've done to people and said to people and felt in my heart. Uh, so the, the woman who's had an abortion, she's in good company. She's talking to a fellow sinner. And somebody who can't get out from underneath this needs a Savior. And that's when you sing those Christmas songs, they bring tears to my eyes because there's such comfort there for people who really struggle with sin. My final question is this. Is there a takeaway for men in today's message? I think what I really like about the story of uh, Mary and Joseph is the role that Joseph played in regards to making decisions not to put her away. And I think it really highlights the importance of men being involved in the decision when it comes to life. And not from the standpoint that the pro-abortion movement tries to paint a picture more of, uh, how can a man tell me what to do with my body? I think a man has the ability, because of his relationship with that woman, uh, has the ability to really highlight that it's your body, but it's also another human being's body. And that other human being is half me. So I think just men staying involved in the importance of a man hanging in there, uh, making a choice themselves to not say, well, that's the easy way out. Uh, but also having courage to choose life. And so I applaud Joseph for being that example for men in this world. No, Thank I think you. too that uh, there's something important here that we as Americans tend not to see. So in America, we emphasize rights of the individual. And that's a theme over and over and over again. And it doesn't work in certain situations. It doesn't work, for example, in a relationship 
where there needs to be cooperation. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that people should suppress their rights, but rather that the insistence on my right versus what are we doing for each other for good, and in this case of a baby, you know, to say my body and my life versus here we have a new life. And for the husband or the, the man to say, you're going to listen to me versus uh, to say, I want to be there for you. I want to help you. And I want this child to be raised in a loving environment. That's the kind of involvement we want, right? Not just saying, uh, I'm pro-life and you better have this baby, but rather both people who brought this life into the world contributing in love for the well-being of the child. That's a very different approach than we have today. Yes. I'll just add that yesterday I delivered three babies and I think the last delivery was so impactful for me because of the role of the dad. And there's a big move in the Black community to use doulas to support the birth as an advocate through the birthing process. But this particular dad was probably the most supportive dad that I've seen in in years. This patient desired a natural birth, and she did not want an epidural. She wanted to do it without any pain medication. And he was there literally for 24 hours by her side, rubbing her back, encouraging her, cheering her on. And she delivered this baby naturally with absolutely no pain medicine, but without a doubt, his role as a man in her life. And then at the time of birth as well, her father was in the room as well as the grandfather. And they were the both of the men were push, push. And it was just it was just so impressive to see how um, significant male leadership in the birthing process is and how much influence uh, it had in regards to the success of her birth experience. Well said. I think we ended on a high note with this program. Thank you. And wish you both a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to all of you. Well, you know, Brad, as we said, Christmas is just such a wonderful time, and it's a great time to be having conversations just like this, hopefully bringing people together, sharing the pro-life message, and doing what we can during this wonderful time of the year. Yeah, Christmas is my favorite time of the year. Anybody who knows me will know that. And um, babies are another love that I have. So, you know, the two marry one another very well. We talk about the baby in the manger, Joseph accepting that child as his own when it was a very difficult time to do so. And mm. it is just a great marriage of two issues that are near and dear to my heart. Well, you know, Brad, I, I dare say that babies kind of go well with, with just about anything. That might be one of the reasons. <laughs> <laughs> they certainly do. Yeah, that might be uh, one of the reasons that we seem to like those guys so much and we want to defend them so much. And to our listeners out there who feel the tug in their heart, they want to be a part of this and they want to help us defend those babies. I want to encourage you to go to lifeissues.org. Become a life defender today. Be a part of our daily work to save babies and promote an ever important culture of life across America. Giving monthly in any amount is a tremendous commitment to the pro-life movement. We may not all be able to be sidewalk counselors, but we can all support vital pro-life education through monthly giving. 
Monthly giving helps us reach persuadables with a pro-life message. It enables the creation of this very podcast. And if you join the Life Defenders before the end of the year, get this, all new or increased monthly donations will be matched by a generous donor in 2024. Help us do more for babies by becoming a Life Defender today. You can easily sign up on our website, lifeissues.org. While you're there, you can make use of our catalog of free resources, including resources from today and our conversation, things that you can share with your friends and family, again, to help us defend more babies. As always, we greatly appreciate you listening. Be sure to tune in next week for more Straight Talk on Life Issues. Life Issues.